On this episode of Digital Signage Digest, we take a look at the medical applications of digital signage, getting people in and out of safe spaces safely, and also uh, being able to uh, dynamically charge tickets for in-home theater. All that and more next on Digital Signage Digest. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Digital Signage Digest, Episode 20, Scanning Signage. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. This is Digital Signage Digest. My name is Tim Albert. I'm your host today. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a couple of different things. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the medical applications of uh, digital signage. And what we're talking about is uh, scanning devices that allow you to scan uh, employees uh, as well as customers coming into your space and seeing what their temperature is, seeing whether or not they're sick or not. And with me to talk about that from Glory Star, both of them, Cindy Chung and Herman Chung. Welcome, both of you. Hi. Thank you Hi, for Tim. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. So you guys developed a, a product a number of months ago, um, I want to say March or April, yeah. um, where it is a, it's a, um, a tablet that allows folks to take uh, temperatures um, of folks coming into their facilities, regardless of whether that's a, a working environment, an office, or, or retail establishment. First of all, what was the, the thinking behind this? Or was this, this something you already had kind of in your back pocket and you were already selling? Yeah. Well, actually, um, how we came up with the idea was actually in around in March time. And, uh, well, if you know about Glorystar, we also have other series of tablets that integrates a lot of different sensors. So temperature sensor has been also one of the one of the sensors that we have been working on. We've been working on others like ambient sensors and all that. So what happened was in March and Herman and I were having dinner actually and, uh, and um, at a restaurant. And so we saw, you know, these waiters were using a gun thermometer trying to measure everybody that comes into the, the, the restaurant. And, um, you know, we thought, you know, it was a little bit threatening um, that, you know, when they when you come in, they just start pulling like on like a gun to your head. And then we thought mm, may, maybe it would be better if it was a self-served, um, you know, temperature screening device or a self-served temperature screening process, which makes people feel more welcome. So that's how we thought, OK, maybe we could, you know, put a sensor, a temperature sensor on a tablet, um, you know, during this for this crisis so that's sort of how the idea came out from we, we should also mention the fact that you and herman both are in hong kong so that that is also gives folks a little bit of a a sense of kind of where you were in relation to this pandemic as it as it made its way from you know the eastern yeah. hemisphere across <laughs> to the western hemisphere so that that is also okay. gives us a little bit of context yes um yeah. so the the temperature obviously at that time folks were were utilizing sort of the, the insta-read uh, thermometers, you know, service thermometers where they did, and they do look like guns. Uh, they, you, you shoot the, the person's forehead. When it comes to, to those specific, that specific metric, um, have you guys found that, that utilizing the temperature of a given participant or, or a patron 
have you guys found or gotten feedback that that has helped in, in some of the STEM of, of COVID-19? Do you mean have the device been actually been helping? Yes. During, well, yes. Um, if you have um, look at some of our case studies, which we've, you know, you know, been selling, you know, for this past half a year, and we've, we've done a lot of um, case studies, and one of it is schools. So um, we've had, you know, um, schools telling us that, you know, their lineup used to be five meters. And after using Tori, because the, the, the temperature sensing process is actually instant, instant sensing with results. So the, the lineup went up to one meter. So it does help the process, you know, of screening. And also, you know, we have cases in um, like in Europe in the warehouses where people have to come in. A lot of them, the warehouse workers come in um, and get their temperature checked every day. So imagine, you know, I don't know, 50 or 60 people coming in at the same time. So um, Tori does help them, you know, get through the, that process much faster. Yeah. Very cool. When you guys look at, at, at kind of the, the next generation or the next phase of not just this pandemic, but, but all of us kind of getting back to work and getting back to offices, that's what, where a lot of folks are focused on right now. Whether it's something that, that you know, Glory Star is, is developing or has developed, and you guys can, can drop that here, um, or something that you've just seen in, in your colleagues uh, in the manufacturing world. What are you seeing as, as a way to get people back to work um, safely in both factories and, and you, as you just mentioned, you know, the factory floors, but also in the, in the office buildings and the complexes, you know, around the world. Herman, do you want to get on this about like what, what our sort of gen next generation will be? Well, um, for, for us, we believe like as of this year till next year, the, um, the effects of COVID will still be around. So um, besides, because of the current feature right now, it's more of um, checking if, if the person has a higher fever or not, send out alert. So in, in the future, we'll be adding uh, more of different types of uh, sensors. So for example, like uh, gesture control for a series of questions will, will be asked and also a uh, cloud platform. For uh, besides monitoring the temperature day by day, you can also, there will be also a statistics that you can observe to see if um, there are anomalies if, for the for the particular person, and also integrating this into an access control. Well, talk about that for a second. How do you are you able to to integrate this into other reporting metrics or other reporting back in? Uh, systems that a let's say a facilities manager on their dashboard can say you know what we've had you know 20% of the people we've had to turn away today whether regardless of that's 20% of our employees or, or customers is there a way to, to kind of tie that into other reporting metrics yes so um, right now we're working on a file platform so what this does is um, all data from Tori will be sent to this cloud, uh, cloud platform which has an API and this can be linked to, to uh, multiple uh, different systems that, that uh, the project or, or the first client uses uh, for different uh, access control systems. Very cool. When you guys start talking with other, um, with, with integrators and, and dealers um, globally, what are some of the things that they're telling you as, as feedback when they start installing these 
into customers' facilities. Um, we are the, either the ease of use or, you know, they start deploying more and more of these. What is, what's the feedback you're getting once they start going out into the field? I think, like, um, right now what, you know, we're seeing is um, traditionally there's a lot of, like, check-in processes as they are of today where you have a kiosk and, you know, you, you go through the process of using a barcode or a RFID card to swipe in. And um, I think a lot of people are also building in the temperature checking process into this traditional checking process. That's sort of what we're seeing it right now. So it's becoming more of a norm to do a temperature screening when you are also doing your, you know, or, uh, tradition checking process on in, in devices. Very cool. When you see, um, you know, other folks, because one thing about about Glory Star is you you're not only you you make products for yourself, but you also make products for other folks as well. Um, you you know what we refer to as an OEM manufacturer. When you work with other manufacturers, um, how are you guys able to kind of differentiate between the Glory Star brand of products and and other folks' products? Well, actually, um, it really does depend on um, the solution, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, it depends on the market and on the solution. So, um, for example, for Tori, it's, it's a full solution that we're building. So for this product, we are doing a distribution channel for this product and doing integration with different uh, third-party companies. Um, however, you know, for the OEM and customized side of the, the, the business, I think it depends, again, it depends on the particular project for us to, to make a decision. Um, uh, yep. Very cool. If somebody wants to find out more information about Glory Star, about Tari, about anything with you guys, how do they do that? They can just go to our website, <laughs> um, gotori.com or gloriestargroup.com, or they can just shoot us an email at sales at gloriestargroup.com. And, um, you know, we're happy to answer any questions um, either on sales or, or technical. Yep. Excellent. Very good. Cindy and Herman Chung, thank you both so much uh, from Glory Star. Thank you, guys. Uh, as we move to talk about virtual theaters and uh, theaters in your home, uh, how we can do that safely, but also uh, effectively to charge the right amount uh, is Sihan Fuet atkin Sihan is the founder and CEO. Thank you, Tim, for having me. Very Absolutely. To be here. So let's talk about a little bit uh, about Venue, um, the, 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 the streaming service that you guys developed at, at Cinex. Um, first and foremost, what was, what was kind of the driving force and, and what was the, the problem you were trying to solve? Yeah, the driving force was um, essentially leveling the playing field for content creators and providing access to consumers to the latest and greatest content without having to leave the house, without having to go and find a babysitter or drive to the local theater or catch a showtime and schedule your whole uh, uh, day or week around it. Um, there's a serious problem with, with shelf space and limited seating and capacity when it comes to the most coveted window of entertainment, which is the live and... Uh, theatrical release window. So the mission behind Venue is to expand that ticketed entertainment window into homes, turning every home into an arena or a movie theater. And that way, the most coveted window of entertainment is expanded into exponentially tens of millions of homes, uh, increasing the value of the industry altogether. So that's the underlying uh, the goal behind uh, Venue.
So, so one of the one of the issues has always been from the the studio side as well as as from the venue side is the fact that we don't know how many people are are watching this stuff, right? Um, right. I'm not going to ask you to tell us your your source code, but give folks kind of an idea of how you solved that problem. It's machine vision. Very simple. Um, the most direct answer is machine vision and AI. Um, right now, the technologies in today's world are such that we can. I mean, uh, I mean, we're building autonomous vehicles for, for all intents and purposes. So being able to detect number of people in a room and count, uh, you know, just head count and sell tickets per person is fairly straightforward when it comes to machine vision and detection. What we're doing is actually facial detection, not recognition. So we're not tying uh, data points of your face into your profile to keep a, a, um, a profile of you, essentially. What we're simply doing is saying, hey, there's three people in the room watching TV. There should be three tickets. And so if there is a mismatch, if there's two people, uh, two tickets and you know four people, that's when the system will just pause the content and say, you have two tickets, but additional viewers are detected. So then we're keeping everybody accounted for. And that's the important piece of that is because this is theatrical content or live events, right? This is things that would require you to physically go somewhere, buy a ticket and sit in a seat to, to entertain yourself and be a part of the show. So when we stream that to your house, in order to make that feasible for the industry, you have to be able to replicate or carbon copy that model in the home. As you guys, as the whole world has seen, PVOD, this uh, essentially pay-per-view, uh, it is not a replacement for theatrical or ticketed exhibition. The, the revenues are not there. Um, and also with high price points, because you don't know who's in the room, you're alienating a lot of consumers, like onesies and twosies that would want to watch the movie are now stuck paying a very, very high price, which is higher than if they went to the theater, right? So it doesn't make sense. And uh, what we wanted to do was create a model that seamlessly fits into the workflow of the studios and the entertainment industry and can expand their audience exponentially, yet maintain the value of ticketing per person. And it's, very interesting. it's a very interesting concept. When you start talking with, with studios, you start talking with, with content creators, what are some of the, the first of all, what's, what's some of the pushback that they give you initially? Well, I mean, the initial pushback is, has always been, you know, the relationship between studios and exhibitors, right? What will exhibitors think about um, a, a service all of a sudden selling tickets and turning every home into a theater? And we understand that, you know, there is a, a it's always been the case with, with, with the industry, with exhibitions screaming, you know, this is going to cannibalize my business. This happened back in uh, VHS. It happened with DVDs. It happened with Netflix. So, but what we really see is um, the consumption of entertainment has increased. People are now consuming a lot more new entertainment when you have access to ticketed stuff, right, on a streaming service. And then this is obviously, this was all pre-COVID. Now COVID happened and the whole world's different, right? Now studios are shuttered, um, live events are shuttered. Um, you're seeing articles today released saying that, you know, 40% of um, uh, uh, one, of the one of the major exhibitors is being shut permanently. Um, yeah. You're seeing things like Live Nation has lost 98% of their revenue. It's really devastating not only for the businesses but for the artists themselves that that make a living off of you know this art form so what we want to do is bring in a solution that's not only just going to save the industry for now but also for the future it can create this uh, really cool ecosystem where artists and content providers and content creators can expand that most coveted window and uh you know create something that's pandemic proof for the future you mentioned the fact that it, that it does a head count, right? It says you're, we're not creating uh, facial recognition, right? This is not facial recognition. It's simply counting how many heads are in, are in the room. 
Does it do something though? Does it take it to a, another level where it'll do demographic uh, a represent or demographic capturing where it can say that there's, there's two men and two women, or there's, there's two men happen to be in their forties and there's two women that happen to be in their thirties. Can they give that kind of feedback to the content creators as, as almost like an, an audience sample and, and say, this is how many uh, people in this age range were, were watching your content. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are able to provide that kind of demographic information. Um, However, because we don't do the data points, like, for example, let me explain it. Because we're not doing soft uh, uh, facial uh, recognition, we can't say, oh, that's Chris, who is the 30-year-old male. It's yeah. based pro- on probability. We're just saying there's, there's, let's say, four adults in the room. Two of them may be XYZ. The other two may be XYZ. It's just based on a probability of machine vision and AI. So it's not like saying, oh, that's definitely Tim <laughs> and that's John no, right but, there. But you're able to say, you know, in, in general, right? Because the, the reason Correct. I'm asking, there, is, there are algorithms and there are, there are camera systems now for digital signage that will say, you know, there's, there's, there's three uh, women in their 20s. There's one guy in there in his 50s. Let's serve up a piece of content that is geared towards the three women in their 20s, right? And, and again, Absolutely. it's not yep. personal. It's just, you know, the, the, you're like you said, the average, and, and we're pretty sure that this is a person in their 20s. Yep, exactly. We're doing exactly that. And, and that's another thing that we're really proud of because we're able to provide content creators uh, real-time analytics or data, I should say, on their audience and how they're engaging with the content. So, for example, if you have um, a movie playing and, and you have an audience and all of a sudden, you know, 10 minutes since someone gets up and leaves, we know, you know, that was a male or female between the ages of X, Y, Z, potential, um, you know, uh, uh, ethnic background, got up and left 10 minutes into the movie. So, and then, and then since they're a member and they've bought their ticket, they can actually sign out of that session and take their ticket with them and go and resume from a, from a different place. Let's say, you know, we came over to your house for movie night, but I had to go. I can check out my ticket and go home and then resume from home when I need to. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's talk about that from, from the consumer side. What does that look like? Is it something where I sign up, I have to get a piece of equipment? What does the, the process look like as, from the consumer side? Yep. Um, so from the consumer side, you would just go to the website and, and sign up from the web portal, create your profile, you know, payment information, and all that good stuff one time. And then after that, you actually um, either purchase the venue player from us or get it from one of our affiliate partners. It's a one-time purchase, um, and we are shooting for a retail price of under $100. Um, oh, wow. So for under $100, you have a device that can not only bring you ticketed entertainment, but it's also a player that gives you access seamlessly to all your streaming apps, uh, you know, gaming apps, as well as uh, video conferencing, because we have the capability to do that. So you're able to then um, turn your TV into a video conferencing opportunity to you know, friends, family, colleagues, whatnot. And then um, once the consumer receives the player, it's just plug and play. It simply plugs into your TV with, uh, via HDMI port. The player comes with its own remote, so you can quickly just access and start browsing. And since you've already got your account created, you would just launch the Venue app, sign in, and you have access to all the content there. Um, so Venue is a free app, and membership is free because you're only paying for content when you want to watch something. You're buying tickets per person, whether it's a comedy, a stand-up comedy show, a concert, a, a Las Vegas show, a musical, or a movie, um, or, or a fight or something like sports, right? Um, yeah. So, so you're able to then, um, you know, you have the flexibility to buy individual tickets. That way, you're not, um, you know, not alienated from the entertainment. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the content for a second. You, you, you mentioned the fact that you've got, you've got live events. You've got, you, you just mentioned sporting events, live sporting events. 
as well as as potentially you know first run movies. When I sign up, or if I sign up, you know, uh, what are what's some of the content that we have available today, or that's coming down the pipeline here in the next month or so? So we're planning to launch in spring of 2021. Okay. When, so for the launch event, we will have a lineup of content, ticketed content available on the platform. Right now, I, it's too early for me to start naming content. Um, however, the player also has the capability to give you access to all your other stuff. So when you buy the player. Um, and understanding that we're a startup and we're now going to be, you know, pulling all the content together at launch, we may not have a whole world of content. We may have, you know, uh, 10, 12, uh, uh, titles or whatnot. Yeah. That's why this player also comes with equipped with all the other apps and gaming and stuff. So consumers are getting a value from just having the player by itself. But then as we start getting more content coming in and we start growing the footprint, it's going to become... A, a very special uh, a platform that only provides premium entertainment. Um, so that's that's the, that's the thing there. And then consumers, as obviously you're a member, membership's free. You've got the app, you've got the device. Now you can use it for premium ticket entertainment or all the other stuff that's on there. And um, with our system, it's um, you know pay per ticket. There's no hidden costs or fees or monthly memberships. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. What, what really, as, as we end up here, I, I want to come back to something you said, you know, you mentioned the fact that, that once COVID hit, you know, the, this, this idea started gaining traction. You guys, though, have been working on this for about five or six years. This right. was not something that, you know, oh, COVID hit and, and, and you know, uh, and Mr. Atkin kind of said, yeah, I think we'll do this. No, you guys have been working on this for five years. So take me through that, that kind of that five-year journey. Uh, oh, and then yeah. what happened once, once, once the, the, the lockdowns did start happening? So um, the five-year journey has been a very long and treacherous journey just because of a startup and someone out of the industry. Like, I, I'm not in the industry at all. I decided to get into it just because of the passion and the problem I thought that we could solve. But it's, it's been a very awesome journey. I wouldn't change it for the world. We've initially started off with an idea. Then it was a long uh, process of cold calling studios and trying to break through. Finally got a call back from uh, Peter Levinson at Universal. Hi, Peter, if you're listening. Um, he said, essentially, are you the crazy guy that's been haunting us for three months trying to trying to break through? I said, that's me. I'd like to have a meeting with you and show you something. So he actually was the um, uh, person that lit the fire, per, per se, under all this. So with him accepting the meeting, I then used him as a, as a stepping stone, essentially, and, and booked the meeting with all the other major studios. We came in and showed them the product. And as an entrepreneur, all I had to see was the light in their eyes when we walked in and, and dem- demonstrated what was a very poorly developed prototype. Um, but the idea itself was enough to light their eyes up and they realized that, you know, hey, this did take off and it was something that was mass scale. It could really change the industry and, and you know, create a lot of uh, additive revenue for the industry. So we started working and uh, being a startup with zero funding and and, and you know, not having any celebrity backers or anything like that. It's, it's just been a grind to get the product finished, to get the patents globally issued. Um, so we have patents in USA, Canada, Israel, Japan, South Korea already issued. We have patents in Europe and India pending, and we just submitted two new patents in the U.S. Um, so getting all those together and then building the team out and having a, 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 a you know, very seasoned team that you're not paying, that that's all working, everyone's working and fueled on passion, it's, it's really amazing to see everyone come together. And then in February of 2020, we unveiled the, the product, the beta. And it was a great unveiling in SF. Um, we, we, we had an awesome time. A lot of people showed up. And then the pandemic hit. So we were like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? But, you know, 
for our situation, it actually put us on the fast track because what was happening was a lot of times when we were pitching our solution, some executives at the studios would, would put the PVOD thing in front of us, say, oh, well, we're going to do PVOD because you can just flip the switch and everybody has access to it. You have access to millions and millions of people. But what they didn't realize was that it wasn't as straightforward and easy as said and done. Um, just because you turn the switch and, and the prices are 20 bucks or 30 bucks, that doesn't mean everyone's going to tune in. So, and again, it's because the price points alienate certain people. If you're a couple or a single paying $30 to watch uh, Mulan is a big bite versus yeah. going to the theater. So what we said was, hey, you know, that's great. Let them figure that out. Let them try PVOD and see where that goes. We don't think it's going to succeed. And, um, you know, to our luck, I guess, the PVOD model didn't fully uh, meet their expectations. So now the industry is even in, in more of a, uh, a rough space and would love to be able to come in and expand the audience and uh, bring ticket entertainment to the home and uh, save the industry. You know, I, I wish you all the luck in the world, John. Uh, Tim, I, I one thing I want to add before we get off about the content pieces, with our model, we don't curate the content. So we've created this portal for the content creators to be able to access their own content and create their own campaigns, stream it to any territory they want. They can uh, uh, black out certain territories down to zip code granularity. So with our model, we don't curate the content. We don't actually uh, do what Netflix or all, all those other guys do. We are a, a, a platform for content creators to come on, expand their audience, control their content, control what you know trailers go in front of them, control the ads that are in front of them, and sell tickets per person. Now, the content owner sets the ticket price, and they get 95 to 100% of that set ticket price. So if the tickets are 10 bucks, let's say, uh, for a movie, and they sell tickets, they actually keep that $10. What we do is we add a small fee like Fandango does to the set ticket price. So if the ticket price is $10, It'd be eleven seventy for the consumer. Yeah, but then you give you're, you're then you're giving access to a, a, an audience for up and coming filmmakers and, and small independent filmmakers. Not necessarily you do have the the large, oh you will have the, some of the large um, studios, but you're also giving access and you're also giving a venue for um, small independent folks to to kind of create content and get an audience and obviously you know make money off of those as well. Absolutely, Tim. And that's what's the super beauty behind this. We're leveling the playing field for everyone in the industry. So instead of the theatrical business being a tentpole business where all the major studios just outshine everyone because they've got top dollar marketing budgets, we're leveling the playing field for everyone that makes professional content. This is not, this is not a platform for you know, average Joe snowboarding with his uh, GoPro on his helmet. This is actually for independent and, and, and um, international content creators that are professional content creators, but they're always struggling to get an audience, whether they four wall um, theaters or um, you know, get, get essentially drowned out by the big movies. We wanted to create a place where everyone could have um, you know, access to the same eyeballs. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Sihan, if somebody wants to find out more about uh, you or, or um, Venue, how do they do that? Um, so go to www.xcinex.com. Um, there's a lot of information there, and then you can get directed to venue.stream, which is the actual consumer-facing um, portal for, for venue, the venue.stream, um, where, you, where you can go to become a member and, uh, and pre-order your venue player. All right, very good. Jihan Fuert, uh, Atkin, uh, CEO and founder of Cinex. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Tim. It's been a pleasure.
Uh, for us, for Aviation, you can go by our website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. Find this program and a host of others. While you're there, check out our underwriter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you uh, Digital Signage Digest, AV Week, and Resi Week, and all the others. So all that and more at aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for Digital Signage Digest. 